listening to The Fret Files, the Guitar Workshop Podcast with Eric Daw. Send in your question or comment. To participate in the show, you can text or call 757-774-8482. Or to email the show, you can go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link and send your question or comment there. We'll use it as part of the show. Welcome to the show. It's the Frat Files Podcast, the guitar tech podcast. Your fortnightly uh, whatever. My name is Eric Daw. <laughs> Come I'm on. a longtime guitar builder and repairman. He ain't lying. Yeah, I won't tell you how long. <laughs> how many episodes have you had to sit through me saying this silly intro? Uh, 150 Something. Whatever. Somebody emailed me the other day and said, Eric, why do you say yes indeed at the beginning of every episode? And... Uh, I don't have an answer. I really don't know. Like, why do we do anything? Oh, yeah. Why do humans if, behave if the way they do? If it wasn't for this rut, I don't know. I'll tell you why. The only reason that I say it is because I decided to do a podcast 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. And I hit the record button and started it about 20 times. And, oh, I bet. And stopped and started again. Yeah. And the one that stuck, I just happened to say, yes, indeed. Hey, if that... <laughs> I don't know why. If that launches it, I don't that's know what you need. If I heard some old-timey, you know, uh, broadcast, like some, like, yeah. Larry King or something say that. King Biscuit Flower. Uh, or something. who's the guy that had TalkNet? Do you remember that guy, Bruce Williams? Do you remember this, what I'm talking about? Whoa. Do you remember TalkNet with Bruce Williams? I do now. That was on in the afternoon. You could call, this it? guy had a talk show in the 80s. You could call with any question about life. Fix a lawnmower, life insurance. Oh. oh. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, the guy just knew stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? You got a big I grin. I think so. I think that was on KID in the afternoon. For some reason, yes, indeed, came out of my mouth the first episode, and then when I went to do the second episode, I thought, well, that worked. I'll say that again. Hey, good enough. That's and learning. It, it just stuck. Stay anyway, with it. Anyhow, Mike, with today's, it. what's your name? Mike, today's co-host <laughs> is me. Is Nat. Hi. Hello, Nat. Boy, I'm glad to be back. Greetings. I will lead the list. <laughs> This is so hard. You have one job. I know, this is so hard. I was just having meta thoughts about, hey, I don't complain about reading the same stupid thing every time because it's pretty helpful. I will read the listener's submitted questions, and Eric will try to answer them the best he can, drawing on his experience as a professional luthier. Oh, I'm the luthiest. Yeah. What's on your bench lately, Eric? You're unprepared for that. I was completely unprepared. That's too bad. You know, I should do a little bit of show prep. Right? For yeah. this show. Uh-huh. I don't have time. Uh, I am doing still acoustic crack repair. Oh, you could do that till the cows or, come home. Couldn't you? Yeah. Or uh, just problems that f- stemming from 
under-humidified acoustic guitars. Yeah, made out of thin wood. So loose braces. Yeah. Uh, sharp fret ends. Mm-hmm. Bridges coming off. Um, and I'm to the point now where I just tell people, they call me and they say, hey, my acoustic guitar is doing X, Y, Z. I say, put a humidifier in it. Yep. Do that first. Humidify yeah. the guitar and call me in two weeks. That's stalls And them. then we'll see what it's doing. Yeah, you know? Staves them off. That's that's the other thing. It 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 buys yeah. it buys me a it, little bit it, of time. That's right. It it's a good delay tactic if nothing else. But working on an under humidified acoustic guitar is a fool's errand. Mm-hmm. You have to humidify it and bring it, you know, back around to normal, yeah. back around to stasis. Yeah. Right? Rejuvenate it. Before you uh because you really need to it's hard to tell what's really going on when they're so dry the top gets all distorted they get a belly behind the bridge and they'll sink in around the sound hole and the neck angle will look off once oh, you yeah. once you humidify them and you sight the neck and you look at the top everything changes and you know i think i can hear it on those i mean not like magic seeing colors or hearing colors or something but um just pure volume, I think. Yeah. You got to have those things humidiated. Yeah. Have they, them work right. Yeah, it's true. All righty. What else is on my bench? Winding mm. a lot of pickups. Oh, fancy ones, custom ones. What, what yeah. kind of? Oh, just run of the mill pickups, you know. No weird ones like no, the. No, nothing too crazy. Weird Chicago ones. Oh, I have been rewinding a lot of vintage pickups. I had a. That's fun. Man, you should have seen this triangular shaped. See, I knew vintage there was something. Fender. Lap steel pickup from like the like late forties, like yeah. early Fender, like a white or something. Yeah, from Fullerton somewhere. I have pictures of it on the old Instagram. I think, I think I took pictures of it. Well, that'd be neat. Yeah. Um. So I've been winding a lot of pickups. I've been shipping books. By the way, the book I've heard of it. Yeah, SolidSoundBook.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. You really ought to buy this because if you're into wiring guitars or getting unique sounds you know everybody reaches for a pedal like oh i need a new sound let's buy some stupid pedal boy i don't i don't either that's why i wrote this book you can get crazy sounds by rewiring your guitar this is what i discovered and even one pickup that's cool yeah cool uh sign right there it's true and mother's day you i think you plugged it for mother's day last time Hmm. it is coming up yeah, the other thing that's been on my bench has been yard work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gardening. And so, yeah. Oh, speaking of gardening. Town came to life a little bit. I have, this is just totally not related to the podcast. Yeah, we, we can't edit it, though. Uh, I have wild roses yeah. for you, bucketed okay. up. From the ditch bank yeah, out here? Yeah, no, 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 from my backyard. Oh, real ones. Yeah, yeah. Fancy ones. Yeah. Nat wanted I do want them. cuttings from my wild need, rose bush. And I need them for my little driveway strip there. All righty, we, we have no calls. We only have emails oh, no. this episode, which is fine. We're going to do it. Oh. oh, yeah. That's all right. It wasn't we're, me. We're going to do a quick uh, episode here because things are just crazy. I won't go into why. But we've got emails to read, so let's do that. Hit the button. Hey, Eric and Nat, I have a Gretsch 1962 single anniversary hollow body. Wow. Mm -hmm. That was a period. Someone before me put on a TV Jones pickup 
in it. I'm having a hard time. I apologize. It's okay. I'm going to get through this and can sound really great. It's not just me. There are words missing. Severe syntax problems. And this is hard when when (laughs) there's no show prep. Um, But it quickly goes out of tune, even sometimes when it's in tune. That is getting good. It just sounds sour to my ears. It goes out of tune even when it's in tune. What are some things you would do, you would try to get this thing into top-notch shape? James in Utah could be a cousin of ours down there in Utah. It sounds like a lot of unrelated things strung together. Or, Or could be anything. Someone put a TV Jones pickup in it, and it can sound really great. Yeah. But it goes... Quickly out of tune. Even when it's in tune. Even when it's in tune. I don't think this is related. I don't even think he's insinuating that it's related to the TV Jones pickup. Or that was just unnecessary information. Yeah, electronic or whatever. Which it's is a, fine. Hey, by that's the way, good. that's a cool guitar. Is that that two-tone green thing that's really pretty? Ooh, it might be. that. Those are neat. Bamboo mist or whatever they call it. Yeah, they call it a neat thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, where it's light green on the top and dark green on the back. Yeah. Well, your yeah. color's good, James. That's great. So you got that going for it. Top uh, notch. Well. Okay, well, let's talk about tuning. With any guitar, here's the things that I look for with tuning problems. Um, the first and foremost thing is, has it been set up properly? So mm-hmm. the action is adjusted and the intonation has been adjusted. Because those two things, if they're not adjusted properly, will cause bad tuning problems. So, uh, what kind of bridge does it have on it? These old Gretches, yeah. oftentimes, they just have that single bar, that rocker bar bridge. It doesn't even have saddles. It's just a straight-across bar. No way to intonate it very accurately. Right. You can, you can get a pretty good approximation, but... Um, is does it need a bridge upgrade? Probably not. I mean, it's I I could make that guitar behave with the bridge it has on it. Probably. Uh, but the other thing to look for is are the strings sticking in the nut slots? Mm-hmm. So put a little bit of graphite in the nut slots. Getting hung up in there. Does it have massive fret wear? That'll cause tuning problems because now, if so if you've got really flattened off or really grooved frets, the contact point of the fret has moved from the center of the fret to the edge of the fret. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't think about this, but that'll throw off your intonation. Yeah, I, want, I, I think that's probably exactly what he's talking about, right? So even when it's in tune, it sounds sour, means you've got it tuned open just fine, dead on. Mm-hmm. And then playing that sounds like intonation problems or and back it back it up stuff. you know if we want to go super simple like really like really back to basics the very first thing I'll try on a guitar that's having tuning problems if if it looks like it's set up okay is a fresh set of strings oh yes you know that's but I'm I don't real. I'm yeah. assuming this is a problem James has had through several sets of strings. Yeah, yeah got to assume that. Intonation. Everybody, class, everybody in the back, yeah. do you, everybody knows what this means, right? Let's talk Because about it. sometimes a guy will come to me and say, uh, I think the intonation's off on this guitar, meaning they, 
they're, it's, they're like saying a word that they think yeah. is going to mean something to me. <laughs> they don't really know. And they and it's like the volume knob's broken or something. Yeah, like it's grasping. buzzing. Oh, the intonation's off. It's not intonating. It, it's, yeah. Intonation relates to the string length. And string length is adjustable on every string on, on most electric guitars. Uh, and by adjusting the string length, we're adjusting the intonation, meaning mm-hmm. will it play in tune? All the way up and down the neck. All on the way every up and down fret. the neck on every yeah. fret, on every string. Intonation relates to tuning, not fret buzz, not sustain, not anything else. This is really back to basics. It's good. People are yawning. Let's you, go to the. Let's thought, go to the next you question. This was gonna be. Uh, I'm all hopped one. up on life. <laughs> you, you are. Well, that's a good one. I think we made some progress there with uh, helping out with the vagaries of the Gretsch anniversary. En- enjoy that Gretsch, James. Yeah, that's a neat one. Let me try this. Hi, Eric and parenthetical Nat. I recently picked up some fret wire for pretty much free. Mm-hmm. Huh. Problem is, it isn't marked as to what it is. The previous owner, now deceased, was a fan of stainless steel, but also had regular fret wire. He presumes it's nickel, if that's regular. Mm-hmm. How would I figure out if this fret wire is stainless steel or not? Mm. Thanks, Dave. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. All right. Three levels of location there. Yeah. Do you want to hear my can, <laughs> no. my Canada joke? <laughs> okay, I do now. I got These friends are sitting in a bar having a drink, and this guy comes in dressed all in de- denim. With a wool oh, hat on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You go, that guy's dressed funny. Where is he? You seen that guy around? No, never seen that guy. Mm. Where do you suppose he's from? Oh, I don't know. He's not from here. Well, where's he from? I don't know. Where's? Go ask him. Okay, so they go over and ask him, hey, buddy, we've never seen you around here. Where are you from? He says, oh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Oh, yeah. Beautiful this time of year. And so he goes back to his friend, and his friend says, well, where, where's he from? And he said, I don't know. Doesn't speak English. <laughs> That does sound a little out there. I thought you were heading for a, a Canada tuxedo joke. Canadian tuxedo where you got de- denim jacket, yeah. denim pants. Yeah, I had that the other day to work, and uh, someone whose dad was Canadian recognized it. It's a good look. Man, it is pretty good. What do you think we Did uh, Dave have a question? missed out on? Yeah. So fretware, fret wire, how here's do you the, know? Here's the funny thing. He picked up some fretware for pretty much free. Fretware is so cheap. It's like a, they can't give it's it like away. a couple bucks a stick. Yeah, it's almost pretty much free when you're paying retail. Yeah, but that's aside that's, from that's the point. Yeah. I'm assuming, Dave, that if you're into fret wire and you're thinking about whether this is stainless or or uh, not, I assume you have other fret wire. This is a very easy problem to solve. Compare it to a known quantity. Yeah, get your get out your nickel it's not really nickel it's It's not iron has a little nickel in it it's an amalgam yeah it's an alloy of like seven different metals i wouldn't want it in your teeth no uh but compare it to a known fret wire you know bend it with your hand file the end and see how easily it files stainless is way harder than the standard nickel but it looks the same fret wire looks pretty similar Hmm. my first thought was stick a magnet to it but that won't tell you anything did you know stainless is not 
really not ferrous. Make, it's yeah. not a magnet. Not, doesn't not really ma- stick to it. Yeah, you, like if those new refrigerators, you can't stick things to them. No magnets. I'll be darned. I know. It's so that's what I would do, Dave. Is compare it to a known fret wire. Yep. Gonna have to do science on this one. Okay. Good one. Appreciate it. Here's one. Hey, Eric. I've been repairing guitars and stringed instruments professionally for about two years now and listen to your podcast as often as I can in my provided setting. I listen to your new episodes as they come out, and I am playing catch-up starting with your first. Cool. I just finished episode 13 where you debunk nine guitar myths. Ooh, I bet that was an all-time great. God, that was a long time ago. Yeah, did you have the... It was another the, lifetime ago. The dealie with the capacitor thing? I don't remember. Okay. Well, that was a cool life. People just... will people will, people <laughs> will mention something that happened 10 years ago on the show. I know. Like it, like it happened yesterday for yeah. me. Like, hey, remember when you made that joke about... No, no I don't remember uh-huh. that. You said something about Canada. No, I didn't. All right, so nine guitar myths. You discuss you discuss relief on a neck and say you think it's best for the neck to be as straight as possible. Yes. Okay. On electric guitars, I like a neck adjusted to where it's as straight as possible. Because you can get away if with it. If it'll play yeah. straight. That's what yeah. as possible means, not just ruler straight. It right. means as straight as you can make it practical. Okay, I was taught to straighten the neck while the strings are off. Or slack, and then tune up to pitch and let the strings create a very, very slight ramp towards the nut. Hmm, That's an an interesting technique. This makes sense to me for a number of reasons. The main being the opposing force needed to counteract the tension of the strings when when tuned to create a straight plane. It makes more sense that the neck be in a sort of natural state with only the strings applying force. Whoa. Probably a simple question with a simple answer, but yeah. I would appreciate an elaboration of your thoughts. Sure. Thanks for your time, Stephen, in Idaho. Yeah, neighbor. It's 76 degrees. Neighbor Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a cool technique you've been taught, Stephen. Um, here's the problem. Here's the problem with that technique. Not every guitar neck reacts to string tension the same. Neck thicknesses vary. Uh, the strength of truss rods vary. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, if, whether you've got a, an ebony fingerboard or a rosewood fingerboard or whether it's a solid maple neck or whether you've got, whether you're using heavy strings or light strings or if you're using an alternate tuning. So this is not a very replicable scenario that you're, uh, it's not a very yeah. scientific method of, you know, approximating proper neck relief. You can't generalize to every single neck. No, because guitars being made of wood and with all yeah. kinds of different variables all kinds will of react differently to string tension. So mm-hmm. what we want to do is optimize each guitar for its own attributes and for the, the string gauge you're using and the tuning you're using. So uh, what I do... And I assume we're talking about electric guitars here because this is going back to that episode. I remember this. So with acoustic guitars, I like a little bit of relief. On electric guitars, I like to try to set the neck as straight as possible. Mm -hmm. You might have to put a little bit of relief in it, but if I can get an electric guitar to play with a perfectly straight neck, 
I'm in. Without buzz. With, yeah. And everything sounds good and intonates. Yeah. So. If, if you have to put a little relief in it to make it behave, then do that. But um, this is just from my years of doing this. This is what I've discovered works best, especially when we're working, which I do often, when we're working with like Fender style guitars that have seven and a quarter inch radiuses. When you start putting relief in those, you go to bend the high E string above the 12th fret and do one of these big, you know, mm-hmm. blues bends. Oh, yeah. make the face. And uh-huh. it'll just fret right out hmm. because there's too much ski jump at the end of the neck Yep. if you've got relief in the neck. So electric guitars, I try to set the neck as straight as possible. A little bit of relief if necessary. Acoustic guitars, I err on the side of a little bit of relief anyway relief. because... They're just different animals. So that's my that's my answer. Thank you, Stephen. Okay, that was good, nuts and bolts. Let's try this. Hi, Nat and Eric. See, see, throw me a loop. That was hard. I almost missed that. That was a tough one. That's Marcus here from beautiful Bainbridge Island. It is beautiful this time of year. I'm putting together my next parts caster, as I often do, and I have a question about rosewood boards pre-finishing. I just got the neck from Warmoth. Is that how we say that? And I'm yeah, going to, sure. I don't know. I don't know how you say that. It's down there in Muckleteo or some crazy place, Puyallup or something. And I'm going to send it to MJT next to get it finished. Is that how you say that? MJT? Yeah. Questions. Oh, he's, he's this guy's on top of it. He's got them. Uh, he's got them enumerated. Enumer- that was the word I was looking for. I am so tired. I was in Utah earlier today. Okay, questions. Numeral one. Would you treat the board before sending it off? I have your recommended guitar honey, Gurlitz, but I was thinking of first applying Howard Feed and Wax, as I've used this before on a rosewood board, and it turned out nice. Thoughts? Let's take these one at a time. Let's do. I would not treat the board before sending it off, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that I would think... Now, if this were me finishing the neck, I would not treat it beforehand. Yeah, you wouldn't want, you want goop to, on there. No, you you don't want oil hmm. when you're going to be spraying lacquer. So, uh, even though it might play nice, I don't know. I just I would I never would do that. However, the people to ask are the people that you're sending the neck to. Ask them what they recommend you do because I don't know what their finishing process is like and what they're doing but if you're sending me a neck then it's raw and unfinished please don't put any oil or anything on it Mm-mm. well maybe that's that's kind of a good sign that you know maybe they don't have good podcasts them other that's, outfits yeah that's true what is this feed and wax is that Some, something you've heard of off the count off the shelf thing I don't okay. know okay we need to sidestep that okay I understand that's perceptive number two when oiling a board, in this case unfinished, would you tape the fretboard edge, the tape covering the edge of the rosewood, or where the rosewood meets the maple? Hmm. If I oil the board pre-finish, will tape be enough to prevent the discoloring of the maple? Yeah, so we're only going further down the road of a no. <laughs> <laughs> so don't mask it. Don't oil it. I, 
Don't even look at it. I Put know. it in a box and send it. I didn't even want to say this because I was afraid. But luckily, you're fairly articulate tonight, and you can handle it. Okay, moving on. Number three, Tossman. Oh, Mark. This would be Mark is Tossman. That, is that how we say it? Yes. Who, as you know, is in my neck of the woods. Yes, he is. Mentioned to me that Gibson and Fender would historically shellac rosewood boards. Really? Thoughts on this? Hmm. Thanks. As always, look forward to the show. Marcus in Bainbridge Island, W.A. Thank you, Marcus. Uh, Tossman could be right. I would not, I would not be surprised if he's right because hmm. that guy is like a seasoned pro. Know I mean, some that, stuff, huh? That guy's been restoring guitars and building guitars since the like '60s or something like that. Whoa. '70s, yeah. Long time. Wow. I don't know how long. 70s at least. Um, He is a vintage Martin expert. Some people all over the country oh, send him vintage Martins. Renowned, huh? yeah. yeah, but he's like famously difficult to even get a hold of. He doesn't have a website. He doesn't have a business card. He doesn't have yeah, a... Yeah, I hear you. He's like a... Right on, man. Guitar whisperer. Yeah. So good luck getting a hold of him. So if he said something, my... Intuition is that he's probably right. However, my opinion is that they did not shellac rosewood fingerboards at Fender and Gibson. Maybe Gibson did, like way back in the twenties and thirties or something, when they were doing like pre-lacquer, like when they were doing French polish, you know, shellac, yeah, like or varnish, mandolins or finishes. I do know that they used something in the fret slots because I've fretted enough vintage really? Gibsons to know that there's something in there. I don't know if it's hide glue or if it's shellac. It's something like that. So huh. maybe they did run a layer of shellac on there and then quickly wipe it off. Yeah. It's absolutely possible. Absolutely yeah. possible. I've just never heard huh. of it. But does that mean it's not true? I don't know. Tossman, he's, I wouldn't be surprised if he's right. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead and... Call us. Send us a letter if you don't agree. Let's take it. You're right. Yes. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more. After these messages, we'll be right back. This episode of the Fret Files podcast is brought to you by Apex Coffee Roasters. Based in Waco, Texas, Apex Coffee Roasters searches the globe for the best coffee beans available, roasting them in-house to unlock the natural aromas and flavors that make each cup an individual experience. Order Apex Coffee online. Fret Files listeners can use the promo code PINUP at checkout to receive 10% off from ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. Hey, life happens. Coffee helps. ApexCoffeeRoasters.com. It's good stuff. You know PlayersGearMusic.com is the go-to place for neck heating irons or neck presses. We've been telling you about that for a long time. But you should really check out his effects pedals. Go to playersgearmusic.com. Rick over there makes custom guitar pedals, and he makes all kinds. They're so unique. Check them out. Uh, Distortion pedals, boosts, fuzz pedals. And sometimes they're in really unique um, containers. Sometimes they're uh, painted wild. you got to check it out. Playersgearmusic.com. While you're there, look up the neck heating irons that he sells. It's the only place on earth that I'm aware of you can still buy one, and it's essential. It's essential in my shop. I use mine all the time. Playersgearmusic.com. Check it out. Hello, Fret Files Podcast. Howdy. 
I was thinking of buying a notched straight edge to assist in doing setups mm. at home. Lovely. I, a, f- a fine idea. Yeah, sometimes a thought just grips one. I was wondering if you had any recommendations for purchasing one. There are cheap ones floating around mm. on Amazon with mixed reviews of accuracy. Mm. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Stumac wants almost 100 buckaroos. Huh. Hope everyone is doing well. John A. J-O-N. We're doing well. Thanks, John. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would shop around. You know who my favorite recently, my favorite supplier? Oh, yeah? Philadelphia Luthier Supply. Check them out. Oh. I bet they have a notched straight edge. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Should I? Should I look? I don't know. Is it that easy? While we're here, um, harness the power of computers. Yeah, yeah. Philadelphia Luthier Supply is uh, obviously they're in Philadelphia, right? Well, one never knows, but yeah. But that's who I've been buying a lot of stuff from, and man, they're fast. Oh, no sooner have I ordered it than it ships. It's there within a couple days. Never any problems. It's like everything's always fulfilled. Um, it's, wow. Yeah. Yeah, they're very good. Uh, yeah, that's good. Tell, Is a, it, tell a joke while I... Well, I just wonder. I'm thinking it, it connotes old, just good old-time big factory, you know? Like maybe yeah, they, yeah. Maybe they made shoelaces or sewing machines <laughs> or shoe leather. Yeah, some old factory. Yeah, made out of red brick. Uh, oh, they don't have a search... It just says shop by category or shop by brand. Oh, yeah, man. They got a Liberty Bell right there. It's oh, a, there it is. There's the little magnifying glass, which denotes search. Yeah. To, this is riveting, to some isn't people it? people that know how to do that. All right. Notched. Stay with it. No matter what, don't, oh, don't let up. I know. This is, this oh. is terrible. Notched. Straight edge. We're just going with notched straight. GHT. All right. They have they have one absolutely thirty two ninety nine. Heck yeah, they do. Thirty two ninety nine five stars. Not mixed reviews. There you go. Done dealio. That's that's who I would go with. Okay. And they have all kinds of tools. Check them out, man. They should sponsor the show. They should. I'm glad you brought that up because probably. Amazon and Stumac, people don't look beyond either one of those. Right, much. like that's that's the two sides of the coin. Like, am I gonna am I gonna buy the one hundred dollar Stumac, Stumac or the or the seven dollar yeah you know, mixed review deal chips and yeah. Amazon one? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that was a breakthrough. That was good. We did yeah. some learning. Yeah. Let me try this. Hi, Eric, and hopefully Nat. Nat is very hopeful. That, Thank uh, you. Yeah, that's a great greeting. Thanks again for continuing on with the podcast. I finally caught up to real time and will now look forward to new episodes. Very good. But I'm having to get used to the different pace of releases. Oh, well, at least I can re-listen to older episodes. Man, I guess. I've accumulated. <laughs> I don't know why you yeah, do that. Well, but... g- give him some encouragement, whatever. He'll... St- Ah, uh, I've accumulated a few little questions enumerated. All righty, enumerated. Yeah. Uh-huh. Question guy's... number one. How do you set the height of a tunomatic tailpiece? Hmm. I've seen comments about cranking it all the way down or elevating it a bit. It seems to me that one might elevate it so that the outer strings, which have the shortest saddle pieces, don't hit the backside of the bridge, 
and obviously not too high to cause any buzzing. Mm. All right. Let me take these one at a time. So I'm going to decode his question because I don't think he's saying what he means to say here. I'm, I'm a little confused too, yeah. He says, how do you set the height of a tunomatic tailpiece? I think he's talking about the stop bar that right. sits behind a right. tunomatic. The tunomatic is the bridge. Yeah. The tailpiece is not a tunomatic. The tailpiece is the stop bar. It just holds so it down. How do you, I think this is what he's asking. I think you're right. How do you set the height of the stop bar tailpiece behind the tunomatic? Mm-hmm. He's seen comments about cranking it all the way down or elevating a bit, it a bit. Yeah. So um, I like to see the strings clearing the edge of the tunomatic. Oh, I thought I was going to sneeze. And then oh. I and then it just didn't. We happen. have any of these? We need a visual aid. Uh, no, uh, I don't nope, have any nope, guitars with no, tunematics in here. Okay, nothing personal. Goodness, no. <laughs> My goodness. Um, but that's what I like to see. Is you know, if if you crank it all the way down and the tunematic is sitting a bit high, um, then the strings will hit the edge of like a, the, the actual the back edge before yeah, the, the actual little saddles the corner of the bridge oh. body. Yeah, that ain't right. You don't want that. So nope. you want it to clear the bridge body, but you don't want it to be much higher than that, I don't think. Yeah. A lot of guys, because of Billy Gibbons, I think, at least that's what they say, they like to crank it all the way down and then put the strings in backward wrap them and around. wrap it over the top of the stop bar. It drives me crazy. Guys ask me to do that. I'm like, okay, I mean, I'll do whatever. I'll do that, but... To me, it's like, why are we putting an unnecessary kink in the string? Yeah, just to make it funky. You probably took care of that in episode 13, though. Do you remember that one? Nah, I don't know. It was debunking. That was so it's many. The only one I know. It's right that there. was so that was several. long ago. And, the, and most of the questions have been about guitars. Different my life was back then. Yeah, it was different. All right. That's pretty good. Sufficient. All right. Oh, oh, this is uh, part two of his question. Don't hit the back side of the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, that, no, that's what he's talking about. Let's do another number. I think you did great. Let's move on. Obviously not too high to cause any buzzing. Yeah, because you'd lose a little bit of tension. Right. right? Okie doke. Number two. Have you found any good way to tint super glue? Hmm. I found it useful for finish repairs, but the Stumac super glue... Seems to dissolve Sharpie ink. Oh, yeah. Sharpie and super glue doesn't mix. What? In fact, a lot of times Sharpie will turn a completely different color. Whoa. If you put super glue on it, it's like a baking soda yeah. volcano or Ask some crazy. I know. Yeah. Wow. Ammonia Clorox or something. I'm very much just a hobbyist, so don't have a lot of stains and dyes around the house. Yeah. Well, what could he use? Yeah. Uh, I have not found good ways to tint super glue unless you want to go with like a super high end, like a glue boost uh, brand glue. Mm. They have tinted super glue and super glue pigment that you can mix in with it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Or you can get, like if you're just dealing with black, they have black super glue. Hmm. Or you can get vintage amber colored super glue, which is great for. That would be my favorite. Yeah. It's great for touching up vintage clear finishes that have ambered. Hmm. Um, if you need uh, to do some kind of color touch up and you're going to do, you're going to use super glue, 
what you have to do is use stain first and stain the surface that you're working on and then clear super glue over it. I've not found okay. a I've yeah. not found a reliable way to tint super glue and I've tried. I've used like uh you know the the dye that you can buy to tint lacquer. lacquer dye, yeah. You try to mix it with super glue and it just it it's not good. This it makes the super glue set up yeah. instantly. Well, that must be some property of that magic glue. Yeah. All right. That's a good one. Number three, if a customer says they want the, quote, lowest action possible, what do you find as the limiting factor for how low it can go? Oh, man, this is deep luthier yeah. philosophy. This is the this central. This is like Zen and this, the art of guitar yeah, maintenance. It, yep. Yep. What's the sound of one hand clapping? Is it buzzing at the upper strings? Neck angle? Relief? Does it force you to really nitpick the fret heights with a fret rocker? Oh, man. This is, yeah, it could be a billion things. And I'm sure you've said them before, but what are your target action settings at the 12th fret? Hmm. Thanks again, Mike in Acton, Massachusetts. Boy, there was about seven questions in there. I know, because it's all like, how do I perfect this thing that doesn't have an objective measurement? Uh. What's my objective when a customer wants the lowest action possible? The limiting factor is often not the guitar, but the customer. Oh, boy. Oh, no. I'm sorry. It's true. Oh, no. Uh, So low action, and this is a conversation I have with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Low action requires a light touch. Yeah. And that's just the bottom line. So... You can get, if the guitar is set up properly, you can get away with very low action if you have a light touch. Yep. But as soon as you start to really wail on that thing, it's just going to choke up. So, um, you know, it's no different than a normal setup. We want the frets level. We want the neck is, is you know, adjusted so that it either is as straight as possible, yep. like we just talked mm-hmm. about a few questions ago. We want the truss rod adjusted the same, that frets are level, that, you know, there's no magic thing here that <clears throat> that we can throw at it to make it behave with the strings resting on the frets. Um, so I, what I do is I start with my kind of middle-of-the-road setup, and then we can lower it a little bit from there or raise it a little bit from there. Uh, but if a, if a guy says he wants super, super low action then, you know, I'll go a little bit lower than my, you know, standard middle-of-the-road setup. And my standard middle-of-the-road measurements, which Mike asked, he said, what are your target action settings at the 12th fret? Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw you a curveball, Mike. Oh, boy. I am I know that I'm unorthodox in this, but I, <laughs> I measure at the 14th fret, not the 12th. Oh. Yeah. And I use millimeters. Oh man! I know this is I, this is because let me guess is that because you can actually see that increment pretty well visually? It's easier to work with. It's easy to see with millimeters. Mm-hmm. It's one, two, three, four. Right. It's not like nineteen thirty seconds over over 30, five. Yeah, thirty-two. Crazy thing. That's so not even a number. People. I know it's hard to use. Um, and I mean, p- 
People get used to it, whatever. This is just what I got used to because if you are a long-time listener to the podcast, you will understand that I started out my career working in a roundabout way for Ibanez. Now, what do you think Ibanez uses to measure their action height? The international standard, that's what. Or metric. Yeah, metric. So I learned using metric, and I'm glad because I love it. Yeah. So my target action on an electric guitar at the 14th fret, not the 12th, is one and a half millimeters at the high E and just under two millimeters on the low E. One dram under yeah. two millimeters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we're talking about an acoustic guitar, again, 14th fret, just under two millimeters on the high E, just over two millimeters on the low E. These are my... that, And this is, look... This is unorthodox. Yeah. If you asked 10 other luthiers, you probably would not get this answer. But this is my answer, and that's how I do it, and it has served me well. Well, that's good. Yeah. That helps with the big question, how low is low enough? I want it to play super low. Well, are you ham-fisted? <laughs> <laughs> and I have this que- I have this conversation a lot, and it used to really upset me because it I always felt like that there was some kind of shortcoming in me that in my ability to set up the guitar if they're going oh it's, it's still buzzing okay yeah you need to be, if you want the action that low you need to be able to play it without it buzzing yeah accept okay? it Radical it's not my job i'm mm-hmm. i'm adjusting it to your playing i can all i can all i've got to work with is how you're going to manipulate the string you know, once everything is aligned, that's all I've got to work with. So if if I set it up super low, how the customer wants it, and they complain that it's still buzzing, and there's nothing physically wrong with the guitar, now the customer has two options. Mm. Heavier strings or higher action, or both. And not change his playing style and really... Well, or that, yeah, lighten your touch, <laughs> pal. But that's not realistic at all. Well, that's hard to. That's a hard conversation. Oh, to that's have. for sure. Operator okay. error. That's right. Yeah. And that, that's why. Gosh, can you imagine? You have to talk to people. That sounds tough. We better move on. Thanks, Mike. Greetings. I'm putting together a pickup winder. Where do you get your supri- your supplies from? Like bobbin flat work and Alnico rods and such. Mm. Also, when it comes to winding pickups, how much more difficult is it to wind humbuckers than single coils? It's just two single coils wired in series, right? Or do the individual coils have reverse polarity? Mm -hmm. Hyphen Mm -hmm. thanks. Mm -hmm. Unattributed. Yeah. Riding your coattails. Well, that was a secret question. (laughs) Texted to me. It was texted to me by a fellow I know. Okay. And it wasn't Okay, good. It wasn't for inclusion in the podcast. So I didn't want to put his name here. Okay. Just in case he didn't want it included in the podcast. It was rather surreptitious, so I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. However, this is an actual text okay. from from an actual guy who wanted to know these the answers to these questions. They are pretty fun. <clears throat> uh where I get my supplies from? Well, let me tell you a little bit more 
about Philadelphia Luthier Supply. <laughs> oh, here we go. They have pickup-making supplies. They sell magnets, bobbin flatwork. They sell base plates and Alnico rods. That's who I go to. Avoid tone craft. These people, oh. I'm here to tell you, I'm so mad at this company. Oh, boy. Craft with a K. <laughs> tone craft. Do not buy. Pick up parts from these people. Oh, man. I'm not going to go into the story because this is a short episode. You got some Maybe sort of someday. Axe to grind man, here. these people wrong, are terrible. Huh? Oh, oh you, that's too bad. Well, let me just make it a quick story. All right. You order parts from them and they won't ship them. Yeah, that's a bad one. Yep. It's kind of a deal breaker. Yeah. <laughs> two, <laughs> two months. Two months later, yeah. after you've already, like, I. I used PayPal to order the parts. Yeah. So I opened up a dispute with PayPal saying... Oh, yeah, I've been there. Ordered the parts, never got them. And so only after two months and only after me opening up a dispute did they um, then say, oh, now we've shipped them. Grudgingly. But have they really shipped them? I have yet to know because I still haven't received them. Meanwhile, I ordered... The parts that that they didn't ship from Philadelphia Luthier Supply, like a week and a half after I realized that these clowns weren't going to send them, and Philadelphia Luthier Supply had them to me within like three days. Man, no yeah. cockamamie story, no. no, no trouble, huh? Uh, also, he says, when it comes to winding pickups, how much more difficult is it to wind humbuckers than single coils? Well, it's about twice as hard. <laughs> that's a re- uh, that's a. Reasonable question and a great answer. That's right. Well, because what is a humbucker but two single coils? Two of them, son. And guns. yes, they're wired in series. And yes, they're reverse polarity. They're reverse wound. Actually, what a lot of humbucker manufacturers will do, they'll wind two identical coils and then wire one up backwards. So the. Wait a second. Man, this is 4D chess all of a sudden. I know. Of the... Let's not get too deep yeah. into it. If you want to know more, look up a diagram. <laughs> Good. That was a great way to head that off of the pass before it got way out of hand. Good one. Well, thanks. Thanks. Let me try this. Hello, Eric. I have a mid-50s Gibson. Man, you can't go wrong with that. I have a mid-50s Gibson GA90 brown amp that needs a handle. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Are you still offering those reproductions for sale? And how much would that be with shipping, etc.? Well, thanks. It Ed. would be 50 bucks plus shipping if I were still making them. I'm not. Oh, it's too I'm, hard. I'm out of those. How many do you think I made? 15, 20, 30, 20. Yeah, I don't know. 10? Maybe 30. I made maybe 30 of them. They were laborious. They really were. They were way more... Yeah. Trouble than they were worth. I'm done making them. I'm out of them. I no longer have them for sale. I'm real sorry. But that's that. And with... Oh, oh, oh man, no hope. With that, well, make your own. <laughs> it ain't easy. I did it. I know. Surely you can. They, they saw you do it and they said, I am never doing that. I will pay you. With I that, know. that is this episode. It's in the can. It's done, huh? It's one for the books. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. If you want to participate in the show, 
and you should, go to my website, ericdaw.com. That's E-R-I-C-D-A-W.com. Click the contact link there and submit your question or comment. We'll use it as part of the show. The other way to do it is to call or text this number, 757-774-8482. That's a 757 number. 757-774-8482. Call or text. We'll use that as part of the show. Uh, that's, I guess there is one other way, and some people do this. They'll record some kind of audio yeah. and then email it to me. Yeah, Don't viable. do that. Oh, do it. <laughs> uh, call the number. It makes it so much easier for me. Oh, okay. Uh, or use the uh, contact form. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for participating. And we'll talk to you all next time. All right. Bye-bye.